All right, guys, you're here with Josh Thompson, Punk's Opinion. Uh, here with, obviously, producer Dave. It's the two of us right now. Sammy's MIA, man. Hey, what can we say? He's probably still stuck in Vegas. But uh, we decided, you know, we've had a lot of good uh, responses from the last two shows. Uh, we've we chained together since pre-UFC 235. And we are now here uh, post-UFC 235. And we did another show yesterday. We're going to do this one now. This one is basically like all fan questions. So we uh, decided to hit you guys up, and you guys hit us up and busted off a bunch of fan questions. So some questions are repeats, um, but you know we're gonna we're gonna rattle through these and uh, you know answer some questions, and we'll go from there. Uh, Producer Dave, what do we got for us, big big dog? Okay, James Garrett has <laughs> two questions in one. I don't know why he didn't make it two, but we'll 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 get them both. Okay. Uh, what do you want to see next for Conor McGregor? And what do you think about Chandler v. Pitbull? What do I want to see next for Conor McGregor? Uh, you know what? I was really intrigued with the um, the Donald Cerrone fight. Um, I think Donald has a good chance of beating him. But I also think that Donald's very susceptible to getting hit and punched. Uh, he saw We saw that with the Nate Diaz fight. I know the Nate, Nate Diaz fight was a long time ago. But that being said... Um, you know, guys with good boxing, good combinations, and you know, and with a good reach, have a tendency to to land big punches on, on him. So I think that made it for a very interesting fight. Also, too, the southpaw stance, along with the kicking of Donald Cerrone, definitely makes it for a good Santa fight. Now, will Donald Cerrone fight a smart fight against Conor McGregor? That would be the thing that I would ask myself because hands down, he's a better wrestler. Hands down, he's better on the ground. Than um, than Conor McGregor. Also, is it at one fifty five or is it at one seventy? That's the other question. Those were the things I was really excited for that fight. I understood that from what I understand, the reason why they didn't make that fight was because there was talk of them being the co-main event, and that fucking baffles me. You know, I mean, I I just it just completely baffles me. Like, let's not just forget that even though he Conor McGregor. Is coming off a loss to Khabib, and he's not a champion. Who gives a fuck? No one gives a shit. They want to just see him fight. They like to watch the pre-stuff that comes up to it. The uh, All the PR and the media and everything that leads up to these fights. I think a little bit of the problem would be is that he. I think the UFC knows that Conor McGregor and Donald Cerrone have a mutual respect for each other, and they've been overly nice to each other, even in just talks of possibly having this fight. And the UFC wants something that's maybe a little bit more dramatic. Um, I guess apparently they're trying to stay with the threshold of, or stay with the the theme of if you're the main event, it has to be for a title, blah, blah, blah. But I'm sorry, but when your main event guy is not a champion but still draws a million more pay-per-views than everybody else, you might want to just shake that whole deal theme that you're going with just for this guy i mean conor mcgregor is it's he's just he's cut from a different cloth man he's he was able to do um things that that a lot of guys have tried to do in the past and no one was able to be successful doing and he's he's done it man uh he's got the fuck you money he's he's bucked the system he's you know and he's He's doing. He did a great job, man. Like he's he knows what he wants, and if you're not going to put him as the main event, you're going to have a hard time. This I think uh, this is another reason. Honestly, this is another reason to have the 165 pound title. You have 
a chance for could be even Connor to fight again, maybe for the 165 pounds on it. You have Ben Askren that's available probably to make 165 is from what I understand, he can make the weight uh, pretty easily. Um, you know, T Wood, I don't know if T Wood would cut down to 65. I think it would be I think it'd be wise for him to do that because going up to 85, I don't think is a good deal for him. Um he's not a he's not a big guy. So he's shorter, thicker. But physically not a big, big guy. Um, as far as uh, who what else? The only other fight I could really potentially see for Conor McGregor, and you need to get him somebody that that makes for an interesting fight that would be exciting to watch and people would love to see it, would be Nate Diaz again. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I would love to see the Nate Diaz fight uh, all over again. They both of them need to get, you know, um, get a win. Both of them need to get back in the cage. Both of them need to stay as busy as they can. Um, UFC right now, honestly, UFC needs them. You know, um, they're not, they, they don't have really anybody else. This DC's last fight is coming up. John Jones has the potential of staying pretty damn busy because all the guys he's fighting uh, really aren't as good, you know, as him. And I don't know a lot of guys that are as good as him either. So um, the Santos fight, though, is from what I understand is going to be next. That makes for a very interesting fight. I also am very excited about Johnny Walker saying there's a good chance that he's going to fight uh, Gustafsson in Stockholm in Sweden. That, to me... Is pretty cool because Gus is like what? How tall is Gus? I want to say he's six six or six seven, and Johnny Walker is six six. Did we say that yesterday? Six six. Uh, six. I think he's only six one. Oh, wait. No, he's Johnny not six. Walker? No, Johnny Walker is six six. Six four. Oh, so Gus is only six four. Yeah. Johnny Walker. I thought he said he was six six six. Uh, right here. Yeah, six six. Yeah. Oh wow, six six. So I mean, to me. That makes for an interesting fight. He's also got a little bit of an injury to come off of because he hurt his shoulder. So apparently from that stupid forward fall roll slash trying to do the watermelon crawl, whatever you want to call it, the centipede, millipede, whatever, uh, he kind of jacked his shoulder up a little bit. They said he shouldn't need surgery, but he'll be out for you know a good four-week suspension or something like that because of his shoulder. Uh, but I think that makes for a very interesting fight. I mean, it sucks for Gus because you're fighting a guy who's relatively unknown, has good fights, Good wins as of recently, but um, it sucks to always fight someone who's not ranked like higher up. But I think uh, he's going to jump in the rankings after his two uh, big wins. Anyways, as far as those fights, McGregor and Nate Diaz are this fight I want to see, or the McGregor and Donald Cerrone fight. Those are really realistically like the only two fights I'd really like to see. I I mean I honestly would, and the only reason why I'm leaning towards uh, Cowboy Cerrone. Is man, Cowboy's put in his work, dude. That guy, he fights his ass off. He fights all the time. You know, he obviously lives a lifestyle that he tries to keep up with. But I would like to see him get a big payday, like a huge payday. You know, um, it's been around for a long time. Nothing but the most respect for him. He's, I think he's one of the guys that definitely has deserved it. And I'd love to see him. I'd love to see him get a big payday. Um, if not him, I would. I honestly wouldn't mind seeing Anthony Pettis. And uh, and Conor McGregor, that would make for an interesting fight as well. I think that'd be kind of flashy and fun, you know, uh, fight there. So, um, yeah, that makes for fun. I, I think that'd be good. Today's so those three, those three guys, huh? Today's the three year anniversary of uh, of Nate Diaz and Conor McGregor. One, yep. yeah, definitely makes for a good fight. Look at Conor McGregor pre tattoos. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know? 
Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Um, as far as the second question, the second question was, what do you think about Chandler versus Pitbull? I mean, the, to, you want my honest opinion? They're mere images of each other. Just Chandler's going to come in a lot heavier and bigger by the time it comes when it comes down to fight time. Like they're going to both weigh in at the probably the, they're going to both weigh in at the same. But when it comes fight time, Chandler's going to be about one eighty, you know, and Pitbull's going to be probably. Ten pounds or eight pounds over what he weighed in at, um, you know, which is going to make a big difference. But Patricia has the power in his hands. He's got he's got this very similar in the submissions, good guillotine, um, you know, good. Uh, he's got good guillotines, good kimuras. He's got he's got some good stuff, good arm and guillotines. I mean, they're very much very they're very similar in fighting styles. I would say the speed would probably go a little bit to Patricio, um, but Patricio does tend to slow down as the fight goes on. But then again, so does Chandler. Um, we saw Chandler versus uh, Primus in Hawaii, and I think Primus opened up the gateway on how to kind of beat Michael Chandler. That low-level calf kick, um, Patricio's got some good kicks. We saw that with Benson Henderson. Um He's got the speed with the hands. He had Benson guessing, couldn't figure him out. I mean, realistically, it was a fluke thing. I mean, I had Patricio beating Benson up until that thing, up until he broke his leg on one of the leg kicks. Chandler doesn't check kicks. So that being that being said, I think Patricio has a good chance of beating him. It's going to be a hard fight for him, though, a very hard fight. I think the size is going to play a factor as the fight goes on. Patricio does not want to be underneath Michael Chandler, you know, and if he can't stop the wrestling... Ooh, it's gonna it's gonna be a hard fight for him. Uh, I've had an opportunity to train and grapple with Patricio, and fuck, he is physically very strong, though. Um, we only rolled for about you know 12, 15 minutes, something like that. But I mean, he's physically a very strong guy. It's very hard to move because he's such short, so short and compact. But um, obviously, very talented, very strong, uh, very good arm and guillotine, very good guillotine. Uh, likes to attack the Kimura, and he's he's just. He's good all the way around, um, you know, and he'll push the pace on Chandler. Chandler tends to slow down as well as Patricio. The both of them kind of slow down in the third and fourth and fifth rounds. And we saw Chandler do that with Primus. We saw him do that as well with um, with with Benson Henderson. And he has a tendency sometimes to do that as the fight goes on. Don't get me wrong. He's still nasty as fuck in the fight. He still has big power. He's still, he's still fast and explosive. But as the fight goes on, he tends to slow down. He hasn't figured out that remedy yet. Like he's, he um, has a tendency, and not. I think you'll always see that kind of with guys that are like super explosive, super fast, and that fast switch muscle, and you know, and some good, and some wrestlers that come from that wrestling background. I'm just, I just gotta go hard for six minutes. Well, this fight is 25 minutes, my man, and uh, you gotta go hard for 25 minutes. So you got to find a pace. And he hasn't learned quite how to, I think, pace himself as the fight goes on. He just fights with these emotions and balls to the wall. And it, it, I think it's cost him in some of his losses from before when he, when he lost to Will Brooks, you know, a couple times. And he lost to uh, Eddie Alvarez. You know, in those exchanges, he kind of pushed so hard that he ended up, it ended up costing him as the fight went on. And the same thing, it almost cost him with Benson Henderson. Had Ben had a little bit uh, more of a push and, in, and drive into um, – with like a little bit of um, like where he just with a sense of urgency. Had he had a little bit more sense of urgency, I think there would there was a good chance that he would have won that fight. 
uh, that Ben would have beat Chandler. So uh, Patricio's got a good chance, but as the fight goes on, it's going to be a little bit harder for him um, because he tends to slow down as well as Chandler does, and I think the size will play a factor. You can get into the third and the fourth, fifth round, especially if Chandler's able to get on top of him. It's going to wear on Patricio as the fight goes on. But all in all, I mean, I'm really fucking amped for this fight. This is going to make for a great fight. What was the next question? Uh, <clears throat> from Dominic Martinez. Do you, th do you see anyone at 170 beating Kamaru Usman after that great performance against Tyron? Also, what styles could give him problems? Uh, the style that's going to give him problems is Ben Askren. That's the style that's going to give him problems. And I could also see Robbie Lawler giving him some problems. Look, Usman's got, he's got great wrestling. He closed the distance really well. He's pretty fast and explosive. But we saw a little bit with Woodley. He didn't have the, the stand-up or the striking. Like, it's not quite to the level and the explosiveness is not quite to the level of Woodley but Woodley was so gun shy because he didn't want to get taken down Robbie showed against Ben Askren that he could he's able to stop somebody's uh like somebody like Ben Askren's takedowns with those first couple stoppages of the takedown I mean I thought Robbie did a great job now as the fight goes on Usman's shown that he's got the ability to keep wrestling like that for five hard rounds Robbie has shown that he doesn't have that so if Robbie can touch Usman's chin early in the fight and make him hesitant to shoot, I think there's a great chance he, he can beat uh, Usman as the fight go. At, you know, in the in the earlier rounds, like I'd say rounds one through three. Um, I don't. I think the only other guy that I could see that beats uh, Usman would be Ben Askren. This style. That's stylistically though. Like stylistically, it makes for that kind of fight. Uh, but I think they're gonna run it back, man. They're gonna run Woodley back. They're going to have Woodley fight Usman. I think that's the fight they're going to make again. Uh, I think they want to get Woodley out of the picture completely and push him maybe to 185 or just not have him fight for the title for the longest time. Dana White can say whatever he wants on camera, but behind the scenes, that fool's like, man, I don't want any more Woodley on my table, man. Like, you get, get to the undercard, stop paying you so much money, and... Um, you know, and just keep you on the burner. That's kind of that's kind of what I think that the, that Dana wants to do with uh, Tyron Woodley. <clears throat> Those are the only two fights that I would uh, I think that would be feasible guys that could potentially beat Usman. I mean, Colby Covington. I just my honest opinion. I think Usman does everything a little bit better. Um, and I think as the fight goes on, Usman can has shown uh, he showed up with Woodley that he can do that for five hard rounds. He can he can push the pace. He can, he can keep wrestling. He can get the takedowns, you know, and he can touch and he can touch you left and right. Now there is an underdog in all of this, and somebody had said something to me about this, asking me about this. Why are people sleeping on Masvidal? I have no idea, man. I have no idea. If he gets past Darren Till, I'm telling you right now, Mazadal is someone to be reckoned with, someone to be fucking, to not fuck around with. He is someone that his wrestling is drastically underrated. He's extremely good. Uh, his losses to Damian Maya, he just basically got wrestle fucked to death, but was able to stop a lot of Damian Maya's takedowns. And as the fight went on, he eventually ended up losing a takedown, and that, that cost him. Now, Steven Thompson... I mean, it was an ugly fight. It was just, you know, it was what it was. It was just one of those fights. And Masvidal likes to fight, you know. I think with Usman, and I think Masvidal has, if he fights a smart fight, he has a chance of beating Usman, but it, it would be a tough fight. He's got to stop that takedown on that wrestling. He's got to be able to do it for five hard rounds if he ever gets to that title shot position. But I don't think he's that far away, just my honest opinion. The two losses he had, you know, Damian Maya and uh, Stephen Thompson, 
The other thing, like, you can't sleep on him. So Darren Till and him is going to make for a great fight. I think that's a great matchup. UFC did a good job on getting that fight together. The winner of that will um, probably fight the winner of Robbie Lawler and Ben Askren when they, when they run it back. And that makes for a good, that gives gives Tyra Woodley enough time to get a rematch against Usman and see what happens in that second fight with there. I think that's what's going to happen, man. I think Colby Covington's out, uh, you know, and they're not going to fight, have him fight Usman. I mean, they'd be, they should have him fight Usman because there's all the drama with the manager, with Ali and with, with Usman and, and Covington and just the drama leading up to the fight as well as while they were there this last week at the fights. And, I don't know why they wouldn't have that fight happen, but I think they're going to give Woodley an automatic rematch so they can, if Usman can beat him again, they can push Woodley completely out of the title picture for a little bit, at least for at least two years. Uh, next question. Uh, <clears throat> Paul Mayer asked a very similar question, so we'll go on to what's the next a, one. What's the question? Uh, what's your take on Usman and Askren? Personally, I think Askren needs a few good wins. The last one was a stinker. Well, Askren also came out today and said like he's going to talk with Woodley about it and see exactly what he would like to do. He's willing to go ahead and step aside and let Woodley get the automatic rematch and go from there, and he'll fight somebody else in the meantime. He'll fight Darren Till, or he'll fight you know, the winner of Darren Till and Mazadal, or he'll fight um, you know, somebody else. Maybe he'll fight Colby Covington. I don't think they're going to waste Colby Covington on that fight. I think they want to potentially get him in that title mix or they want to push him to the back burner and not not have him not have him fight at all that's kind of my take on that whole ordeal <clears throat> uh Travin De travis de curtis asks who or what style is best suited to defeat khabib in a five-round contest uh at what weight class i mean i assume i mean the best five. the best uh style i would say would be someone like usman uh, that would probably be the best style. Somebody like a uh, a Tyrone Woodley, uh, Usman. I mean, but we're talking a whole weight class above. I mean, nobody in 155 is going to touch him. I mean, I'm in, I'm extremely interested to see the Tony Ferguson fight. I really am. the The only reason why I'm interested to see that fight is because Tony has a really good. He does a really good job at cutting people, and I I know firsthand because. Fucking, I've got like two Mercedes Benz signals on my fucking forehead, you know, from him. And I've got a big gash from here on the, I mean, this one here was like, I want to say they said it was 22 or 24 stitches. I mean, just nasty, man. Like it's, that makes for an interesting fight. I'm not a fan of elbows on the ground, but when I fought him, when I fought Tony, he cut me up on the feet. So that makes for an interesting fight. If he fights somebody like, uh, if he fights somebody like, um, like uh, like Khabib, there's a good chance that he can cut up uh, Khabib with his elbows. I mean that that can happen. Khabib doesn't also doesn't have long hair. Um, yeah, that one right there, twenty twenty two or twenty four. That is unbelievable. Yeah, it looks like a vagina on my fucking uh. forehead. Yeah, it's like right there on the side. I had I got one stitch, one stitch in my nose, and then right like right above where my bangs is, there's two Mercedes Benz. So it looks like a Mercedes Benz uh, uh, sign. Like I have two of them on my head. Like just nasty, man. I mean, it's the fight game, you know. But uh, and he landed those, and I was always against elbows on the ground, even from Strike Force days. But those elbows are not from the ground, dude. I mean, those elbows are from the feet. I think one of the Mercedes ones was when like um, I think he was attacking me, trying to attack Kimura on me, or I was in his guard or something like that. And he and he hit his uh he was hit, landing those uh like kind of spear elbows to the to the forehead, but he was on his back, so they all counted. All legit strikes, man. He did a great job. 
I think that makes for an interesting fight against somebody like Khabib because Khabib has short hair. Like, he shaves his head. And we saw when you go back and you watch the Eve Edward fights with um, with Joe Daddy Stevenson. I know it's back in the day. Some of you guys probably weren't even born yet. But when you go back and watch those fights, dude, Eve's had, you know, obviously had really, really short hair. And that shit was just, his blood was just spewing out. There's nothing there to, like, kind of stop the bleeding or... Or make it slow down if you have a shaved head. And Khabib shaves his head. It makes for it makes it just makes it very interesting. You know, Khabib's gonna have a hard time, I think, stopping Tony because Tony's so tough. But I think it does make for an interesting fight, man. And, I, and Khabib, I've talked to Khabib, and he thinks that Tony should be next. You know, he's not really willing to give uh Conor McGregor a fight because the money really isn't an issue. You know, he's just like, you know what, I'm ready to move on. And uh, he's like, I beat him. I beat him easily. You know, it wasn't even a close fight. Um, even though Connor's the only one to ever win a, ma- a round against him, uh, you know, in the UFC. But I, I think Tony and him make for a very exciting fight. And I'm definitely not somebody that uh, is going to say that I wouldn't want to see that fight. That, to me, makes for a great fight. I'd love to see that fight. Just my personal opinion. Um, but stylistically, I think Tony, in that weight class, in that 155-pound weight class, I think he's the only one that I could see giving uh, Khabib a tough go. And only because he's so funky and so different and, you know, um, and he definitely has very sharp elbows. I mean, that fight. And then other than that, you got to go up to, I think, 170. You know, I think uh, then at 170, there's a lot of there's a lot of fights there that make that that um strike my interest in and make it make it different make make it a different type of fight that really will push Khabib to the to the limit. I mean Tony I think that will do that as well, but I I'd have to see I have to see the fight, you know? I mean I, this it's one of those unknown fights. Like to, you just don't know what you're going to get with Tony Ferguson. I mean, I shot a double leg on him. He did a fucking forward roll and wiggled right out. I was like, "What the fuck?" I, I, you know, I'd never, never had anyone do that to me, and I never trained with anyone that had ever done that or seen that done, you know, um, you know, in an actual real fight. So it just was one of those things. I think, I think he makes definitely makes uh, for some interesting stuff. Anyways, next question. <clears throat> um, Blake Oakton asks, "What are the main differences you notice between your prime and now, positive or negative?" Um, let's see. What are the main differences that I've noticed between my prime and my and how, when I was older? <clears throat> yep, your prime, um, your prime now. Yeah, I mean, I know, I know you're going back like twenty years. But yeah, just, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, ten years, twelve years, something like that. It's pretty much twelve years. It's pretty close, man. Uh, look, I always feel that the fighters they're they're pretty much in their prime from like twenty six to twenty seven. Probably I didn't get my prime. I felt like until I was 28. So 28 to 32, I felt like I was unstoppable. I felt like no one could beat me. I felt great. I felt great in the gym. I wanted to train all the time. My focus was there. I felt amazing. Like I was training with you know Swick, Fitch, Koscheck, you know good guy. I mean really good guys. And then Gray Maynard and those guys came over. Like when I started to hit like 31, 32, you know Gray Maynard and Tyson Griffin, and they just helped me elevate to the to, to another level of guys my size. My whole career, I spent time training with guys. Like Fitch, Koss, Swig, Bobby Southworth, Trevor Prangley, Phil Baroni. I mean, those are guys I was training with all the time. I mean, if you guys go back and listen to my podcast uh, with Javier Mendez, I mean, he'll tell stories about how I was sparring with Paul Bonatello, Mike Kyle. You know, I was in there doing like, you know, two, three rounds at a time with those guys, just standing toe to toe and banging with them. What I did notice is that as I got older, 
my I was a little bit more hesitant to pull the trigger. I was a little bit more hesitant. I felt like my punches wouldn't get there fast enough in the amount of time that the younger guys could counter me or throw two or three punches. And even though I still considered myself to be one of the faster guys, even all the way up until I fought Tony Ferguson and Pitbull and all these other guys, I still felt like sure I had the speed to get in and out, but I was a it was like a a little bit of a a little bit slower, a little bit I just I was getting I was getting hit when I wouldn't normally get hit. And for me, I prided myself on not really taking a lot of damage throughout my career. And um, and I think that's why I had such a long career. I focused a lot on head movement. I focused a lot on, you know, making sure my defense was good when I was covering. You know, um, I just, I think that's why there was such a long gap between the mistake I made against E. Edwards trying to show off and be a showman. It cost me a fight with a highlight reel knockout being knocked out. And then also too, um, like later on, just slowing down and taking shots in the Tony Ferguson fight, uh, the pit, the pit, the Pitbull fight. I mean, even in the third Gilbert fight, I kind of took some shots that I, I felt like I shouldn't have taken. And I went back and watched the fight, but to me it was a good fight. I just feel like, you know, um, there was a lot of things in those later in the in those later fights that I was taking more damage than I had taken pretty much my whole career that I shouldn't have done. <clears throat> you know what I mean? So these are all. I mean, those are things that changed as time went on and the and the and the fight went on as I was fighting longer and it just it happens. And I think for some guys they hang on to it too long and they just they think, look. And, I, and and I'm I'm not gonna I don't want to I don't want to sound like I'm I'm knocking Diego Sanchez, but he's been fighting a long time. He got a great win this last week and destroyed Mickey Gall. He just basically overwhelmed him, technique and the maturity of him and understanding like what it takes to get that win. You cannot knock that. But for me, I'm not saying that I'm retired, but the chances of me fighting again are pretty slim. You know, I feel very comfortable where I'm at, but I also am not the person like he fought on the undercard. He was main eventing cards. He was, you know, he won the Ultimate Fighter. I mean, he's been with them forever. I guess for me, if I knew, if I once I realized there was no chance for me to fight for the title, or maybe there is, I, all I had to do, I mean, I was always one fight away in Bellator, or I was like a fight or two away from, you know, from fighting for the UFC title also, even in the second stint when I was there. It's just not, I just, I just realized like, okay, look, I'm going to fight two or three tough guys, you got to get these wins, and they've got to be impressive. Otherwise, Dana's not going to give you a title shot. You know, um, the Benson fight. I wasn't distracted or detoured, but when I fought Bobby, when I fought Bobby Green, it was like a last-minute replacement. He took the fight on, you know, two weeks' notice. I was supposed to fight Michael Johnson. You know, we got hit with drug tests. He pulled out of the fight. I just, it was like I was already kind of rubbed the wrong way with the whole the whole ordeal. I had some behind-the-scenes stuff going on with the UFC that was bugging me as well um it just was a lot dude like it just i just knew i didn't want to fight for the ufc anymore um you know after my fight with or pretty much right before my fight with ben i knew it just all the the, the issues that i had with getting even being able to get the fight with benson it just really made me feel like i don't want to be here and i knew i was locked into a contract with them so i was like fuck you just fight your fights and i think a little bit of that showed when i fought benson not benson but uh bobby green i was like whatever man i was like i don't know i just i wasn't into the fight i wasn't like i should have been into the fight cuz with a win over him that would have put me right i wouldn't have fought probably tony the next fight i would have probably fought somebody else uh i you know 
there was also a ton of stuff. I always had been fans that always hit me up telling me like, hey, I want to see you fight Pettis. Hey, I want to see you fight uh, Donald Cerrone. They wanted to see me fight stand-up guys, and those fights were never offered to me. So there was another frustration that I, I was asking for, and I was like, hey, let me get these fights. These these make for good fights. You know, um, let's get this fight, you know, and they were like, nah, it's not really, it's not on the table, this and that. And I was like, all right. So once once I realized that they really weren't interested in having me fight, you know, the guys that I thought would help bring the best out of me, uh, it's it was hard to get up for these fights, you know, and uh, it just it just it wasn't for me. I think it wasn't for me. I went to fight, and when I went to go to Bellator, you know, I just I felt like so much some time had changed and passed. And I just you know, and I just I wasn't I wasn't at my best, and uh, I had two good performances. Um, you know, when I first got there, which was good for me, I felt good about it. But uh, you know, and then I just didn't feel I didn't have a great performance against Pitbull, and you know, and I just like I said, the whole reaction of the timing, um, what I noticed from when I was younger to when I got older was just I couldn't get out of the range of the punch. I couldn't get in and get out before getting hit, and that bugged me. And I knew I didn't want to be, I didn't knew I didn't I didn't want to start fighting like being the opening fight on the on the main card or being the main event on the prelims. Or even maybe being further down on the prelims, I just never wanted to be that person. And uh, if you if you can't be the best, I mean, like if you don't have an opportunity to be the best, I just didn't want to do it. And so I think that was the best thing for me at the time. Um, you know, I'm not saying I'm retired, but I'm just simply saying that you know when you realize that and you understand that, are you're just doing it for the money? And later on in life, that money's not gonna mean shit when you have your family and your friends and you want to spend time with them, and maybe you've got you know, whatever, whether it's brain damage or you just can't put a sentence together or you got a stutter or, you know, if you decide to have kids and, you know, and you're, you got dementia when you're fucking sick, 50 years old when you shouldn't have it, like little things like that, you know, being able to play basketball with your kids, whatever it is, football, play catch. Those are all the things that to me later on in life are more important. I think that's why I, I've focused on, like I've, put a lot of energy and focus on doing this on being an analyst now for Bellator and making sure that I'm helping promote um, an organization that I feel comfortable with and I feel confident in and that I feel like they're doing the right thing for the athletes themselves and uh, that's why I feel good about what I'm doing right now so to answer I know that was kind of long-winded <laughs> that was a pretty long-winded answer to that question but there's so many different parts and things that go through my mind when people ask me about my prime and my you know and towards the end of my career and you know, in the UFC and Bellator and Pride, Dream, and all the other things that go along with it, and Strike Force, and uh, there's so much to be said. I've got so much history in the organizations and uh, in all the organizations, and uh, you know, I'm thankful for it all. But it's you know, I think sometimes you just have to understand that it may be time. You know, and uh, some fighters have a hard time doing that. Next question. All right, this one's from Austin. Kind of touched on it already, but how do you think Khabib does against Kamaru Usman at 170? It's a tough fight for him. <clears throat> it's a tough fight for him. Um, the one thing that I can say is that even though we understand that Khabib's wrestling is really good, this is not you. This is U.S. wrestling versus Russian wrestling. It's a different style of wrestling. Uh you should expect more of the Sambo defensive style of uh, wrestling from Khabib, which Usman, I'm not sure, would be prepared for or know how to handle, or he would train it, but not sure it would be. He'd be able to handle it for for five rounds. 
Khabib also, I don't think, maybe is not as tall as Usman, which I know that for a fact because I've stood next to both of them. Um, and Usman, I think, has the longer reach. But I think Khabib, if he's able to put Usman on his back, can Usman get up? That's the other thing. Who can, who can take who down and who can hold who down? And look, I, I don't think that that's a fight that interests Khabib at all, given the fact that they both have the same manager. So I don't think that that fight would happen at all. If Usman loses to someone like Colby Covington, that would suit more of what Khabib would look to fight. He would. He looks, I think, at Colby Covington how he looked at Conor McGregor. The guys with the big mouths, the guys that talk all the trash, the guys that you know want all the attention. He looks at Colby Covington as if that that is the fight. So if Colby Covington was to beat Usman and then maybe beat one more person, I could see Khabib going up and be like, dude, I could beat this guy. Not only could I beat him, but then I'll be the two-division champion and you know make history. I know that Khabib was looking for the GSP fight. He actually is still, uh, just as of recently, I know that he still is, has uh, mentioned that he'd still like that fight. Um, you know, and maybe maybe GSP would come back if they were able to try and put that together. But I, I don't think the UFC is going to do that. I don't think they want to take a chance. I, I don't know why. I don't understand why. That would I think it would gross more than what Khabib and Connor did. I think GSP and Khabib would do the same, if not more, than Connor McGregor and Khabib did. What's next? From Bob Ayega. <clears throat> Bob Ayega? Bob Ayega. Oh, I thought you were saying Bob Ayega. <laughs> I think that means boogeyman in Russian. He might be a yeah. Russian boogeyman. Mm -hmm. uh, Josh, you got to tell some behind-the-scenes action at all GSCs. Post-fight parties stop short of getting some poor retired fighter's wife to divorce them. They'll love you guys. You're the best. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm not trying to break up happy homes. I mean, you know, they all seem happy. But, uh, you know, look. Dude, the old times and the new times are completely different. So, like, the old UFC parties and events were fucking so much fun, man. You had all the guys that all fought each other that night, all hanging out. Sure, sometimes something else broke out, but it was very rare. Now these guys all have their own parties. They actually truly don't like each other. You know, Colby Covington doesn't really like Usman. Usman doesn't like him. I mean, these guys are trying to fight afterwards. I mean, these are, these are all things that... Back in the day, it was very rare that it happened. I mean, you know, the the Lee Murray thing with Tito Ortiz and all that shit that happened. Those are all things that, that you know, we all kind of stuck to. That, that was a rare thing to happen. We also used to stick together. I remember I got into a fight in Miami uh, out on the streets with some guys that were just walking by being extremely disrespectful to, like, some of the girls that uh, all of us were hanging out with. And we had a straight up, it was like a fucking straight up brawl in the streets, chasing them into the restaurants, like... Guys were trying to, they were, they were like trying to hold the restaurant door open. People were there having dinner and we're like shoving the door open, trying to stomp these guys, you know, heads and, and bodies and stuff. I mean, there's a lot of history and stories of things. This was at UFC 142, or no, sorry, not, not 142, 42, I should say. Sorry, that's how old this motherfucker is. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? So that, uh, like those, those fights, I mean, like those are the things that we all stuck and band together. I mean, there was guys that were involved in that altercation way back then that worked for the UFC now and the media that was involved in that whole altercation 
they still have like prominent websites. Like these guys that own and run these, they were all with us like those nights when we were having brawls out on the streets, you know. Um, but we're all still friends, man. And it was like a brotherhood back then. Now it's gotten away from that. You know, the sport's not the same. The sport itself has grown. It's grown to to be great. I think guys are making a lot, obviously making a lot more money. But we lost something along the way and we lost the the brotherhood of of you know fighters being fighters and understanding like hey this is one of those respectful sports and we really enjoyed fighting each other but we also enjoyed winning but even afterwards it was like hey cheers and like let's let's buy each other beers and let's hang out or let's you know all head over to the UFC after party and you know and just get shit faced and have a great time everyone everyone had a blast man traveling around you know I remember the old days in Mohegan Sun the old days at uh, Atlantic City. Like all the like, just the old days, and we, like we had a great time. Fights down in Miami, um, man, we had some fun times, some really really good times. But uh, you know, everything was everything's changed. I can't say it's changed for the better, but everything has changed, and uh, it's been it's been good, man. It's been it's been one of those things. So uh, as far as you know, things with like girls and relationships and and fighters in there, and I'm not gonna. I'm not going to be that person, but I'm just telling you the the one altercation and things that I've had uh, experienced. The Miami one was definitely one of the most memorable moments that uh, that I had because I I just know the people that were involved. They're still they're still pretty prominent in the sport. You know, some of them work for the UFC and some of them um, some of them still have very you know prominent websites. You know, and uh, they were all with us, all you know batting going to bat for me and for everybody else that was involved in in this action so great stuff man i mean those are those are those are friends that you are people that you know that you'll you'll always remember because because of situations like that i mean young dumb and you know i think full of cum is what they said right (laughs) just stupid stuff we did back then but it was it was um we all we all had each other's back it was pretty cool we had a great time next question uh from gucci lame does the UFC need a non-biased promoter to get to the next level of the sport, like NBA and NFL? Love the podcast. Um, what do you mean? Like, I'm trying to figure out what he means. Do they need a non-biased promoter to go to the next level of the sport, like NBA and NFL? I don't think so, man. I, the reason why I don't think so is because, Like Dana does a really good job when there's nothing going on in the organization is that he makes it about him. And when there is something going on in the organization that's good, like the Conor McGregor and Khabib fight, he makes it all about them. And then when there's nothing going on, he makes it all about him again. Like he 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 is that guy that he's made himself such a star. He can suck up all the attention when there's fucking nothing to talk about in their organization. And I think he does he's done a great job of that. Um, you know, I criticize him sometimes like, hey, it's not about you. It's about the fighters. But I understand why he does it. I understand that he, he makes it about him because the organization doesn't always put on the best fights. You know, it doesn't. It also doesn't always have the best fighters fighting each other. You know, so when that happens, he makes it about him. You know, they had a little lag time and downtime when the John Jones wasn't fighting. <clears throat> could be even Connor hadn't really got their shit together, you know, for that fight to happen. I mean, there was a lot of little lags in, in this, uh, in this thing, you know, Max Holloway hadn't really, he's sure he was a star, but until he fought Brian Ortega, that fight really, uh, catapulted him to like, okay, there's no one else left in this division. Give me Connor McGregor again, or let me go up to 155. And this is now making some changes. TJ Dillashaw going down, 
it was all it was historical talk of him going down because he was able to make the weight but then he had a shitty performance and it kind of was like fizzled out had he had a great performance and it was a close fight and won or lost we'd be talking about it but we're more talking about the fact that it was it was a shit show that he should never done it and it was it was a bad idea for him to do and and that kind of that kind of made the whole thing fizzle down to like it was nothing no big deal you know and um but as far as all the other fights i mean they, they've got they're going to have to start producing some stars. And you can tell that they're trying to do that right now. They're trying to do it with, I mean, Johnny Walker, great performance. Santos, great performances as of lately. Um, you know, he's next for John Jones. They're going to, I think John Jones is going to have a quick turnaround because he has such an easy performance or such an easy fight against Anthony Smith. I could see them turning him around as fast as possible. I think also the time off with John Jones. He, I think he's little. I think he's hurting for a little bit of money. That's why we had such a turnaround, such a quick turnaround with Gus and with, with Anthony Smith. I could see him turning around again right away for uh, Santos. You know, I think he's going to need a little bit more time in preparation for someone like uh, Blackowitz or I uh, maybe no, just maybe only Blackowitz. I mean, that would be the only two guys. The rest of the guys, I think, um, you know. Santos is going to be the one that's going to be the hardest one. Maybe he'll take a little bit more time off, but he had a quick turnaround. I think it was like nine weeks before he fought um, Anthony Smith. Uh, we're going to see. That's going to that to me. I I would expect them to turn that fight around as fast as they can because they're trying to build stars. They're trying to keep their stars that they already have in the limelight to help generate more pay per views and more business and more money. Go ahead. What's next? Um. <clears throat> uh. Jake Matheson asks if you had if you had to fight one guy for a million dollars and the fight is not over until someone is unconscious who would you rather fight John Jones or Tiago Santos Oh John Jones <laughs> John Jones Yeah I think <clears throat> I, I've always had a harder time with guys that look I mean either one of these guys would fucking kill me So <laughs> let's let's like let's let's just go there I mean like it's Either one of these guys would fucking murder me. Um, Santos is fucking scary, scary, though, with his power and his his willingness to just do whatever it takes. You know, he's spinning back kicks and cartwheel kicks. And, I mean, for a big guy, he moves pretty fucking well. Not to mention he's got huge power in both his hands. I mean, his fight with Manoa was fucking amazing. One of the best fights I've ever seen. Um, John Jones... You know, I think either way, it's, it's either way, it's a murder fight. You get murdered both ways. But I mean, I would rather fight John Jones because if let's just say out of miraculously he makes a mistake and you catch him in a bulldog choke or some weird fucked up thing, right? You could say you beat John Jones. If you say you beat Santos, everyone be like, "All right, whatever." They're like, "Hey, you beat Santos. He's like the number five guy. No one gives a shit." You beat John Jones, like, dude, you beat the fucking greatest of all time. You know what I mean? That that kind of you might as well take your chance with the greatest and, uh, you know, what people who people think are the greatest. I don't think he's the greatest, but I'm simply saying only because I'm not saying that he's not a great talent. I'm just simply saying I don't think he's the greatest because he's been he's a known cheater. That's it. Although talent wise, you can't knock him. Can't knock him, dude. Probably the greatest that ever stepped foot in the cage as far as talent wise. And, you know, but he's also a known cheater. So how much does that help to him, his performances and things like that? Anyways, uh, but I might as well take a shot at the champ. And, uh, you know, and who people think is someone who is uh, unbeatable. Might as well fight him. Next. Yep. Uh, Jacob Flores, what's the most adversity you've experienced during a camp and how did you overcome it and who is it against? 
Uh, you know, it was it was Gilbert Melendez, the first fight. <clears throat> it was the first fight. I was sick. Um, I got I got a staph infection two weeks before the fight. Um, yeah, it was it was that. It was that. I mean, there was some stuff that happened between the first fight and the second fight. I broke my ankle and had I, I broke it three times, you know, in a six in an eighteen month or sixteen month period. And, and every time I was getting ready to fight him again, I ended up having to like go back to the doctor and basically recast it or you know put it go back into a walking boot and and uh, and crutches. And so that happened, and I was able to get able to get through it and get to the fight. The second fight, I had a fucking amazing performance against him, but he just had a better performance. I didn't fight smart. I fought with my emotions. In the first fight, I fought smart, given that I was such an underdog. No one expected me to even be in there, really, to win or to do anything against him. Uh, came out with a dominant performance, you know, and um, it was it was one of those things. I think there was no expectations on me to have a good performance in that first fight, and I had, I had a dominant performance, which made me feel a lot better. Um in my camp, like knowing that like shit, no one expects me to win. I was sick. Not only was I sick, um, I had a staph infection a couple weeks before that, like just a bunch of things leading up to it. I had a couple little nagging injuries, you know, my elbow, I had to get it drained cause I had like a uh, fluid in it. I just had a bunch of things. And I trained a long time for that fight. I knew I was going to fight him. There was a lot of talk, um, that I was going to fight him. I was coming off of a shoulder surgery. So, and I had shoulder surgery five weeks before, five months before that. So I was trying to get the range of motion. I knew I couldn't wrestle all that much in that fight because my shoulder, I wasn't, if he sprawled on me and I was, you know, on the leg, he could have potentially tore my shoulder again. So I had a lot of things going on in, in my mind for that fight. And I was just thinking to myself, go out there, have fun. Whatever happens, happens. You know, you'll get some big, you'll get some big wins. And you'll get back to him again. I know you will. And, you know, I knew I could beat him. It just was a matter of me having a great fight. And in the first fight, it worked out for me. Second fight, not so much. Oh, next one. Uh, <clears throat> from ABJ, what's next for Zabit? Considering that Max is currently at lightweight, who would you like to see him face at this point in his career? Pull up the weight class. Forty-five, right? Yeah, one forty-five. That's not forty-five. That's twenty-five. Right, right there you go. Yeah. Um, Jose Aldo just signed to fight uh, Volkanovski. Mm -hmm. Um, Zabit will not fight Frank Yeager because they're from the same camp. Um, he just beat Jeremy Stevens. I mean, I, the, the fact that I said this, I think I said this the other day on the show, uh, yesterday when we filmed yesterday was Moicano because they're both, they're very tall. Pull up Moicano. I think they're like Moicano's 5'11 or six foot. And I think Moicano showed Jose Aldo too much respect. I think he learned his lesson from that fight. He's 5'11". So, and Zabit 6'1". I think size-wise, it makes for a good fight. Both good on the feet. Both have good power. Moicano's wrestling is not as good as Zabit's. But Zabit, uh, but Moicano is the same height and probably a little bit, I wouldn't say cleaner, crisper striker. But I think has a good chance of dealing with the reach and the range because of the size being so similar. 5'11 and 6'1", well, it doesn't say what their reach is on this, does it? No. Yeah, so five eleven and six foot is five eleven and six one. I bet the reach is pretty close to each other. Zabit with the long range was able to keep Jeremy Stevens away, making him you know reach and lunge in for big punches. I think Moicano is going to be able to touch him, just like very much like the John Jones 
and uh, Gustafson fight. If you go back and watch that first fight, Gus was able to land shots that John Jones wasn't used to dealing with. John was able to always put his palm out and just like put his hand on your forehead like a big brother does to a little brother. And against Gus, he wasn't able to do that. And I think Moicano and Zabit makes for a great fight because of that situation and that scenario. Now, the only concern is that Zabit obviously being 17-1 and one, uh, and, and Moicano coming off of a loss to Jose Aldo, which there's no, there's no shame in that, obviously. I mean, Jose Aldo is a fucking walking legend, you know, still doing his thing. But I think that Moicano in that fight showed him way too much respect and he shouldn't have shown him the respect he did if he wanted to get that win. I don't know if it was just maybe, you know, both being Brazilian, maybe just just all the high and just watching him probably growing up, watching him fight. I think that might have played a factor in it as well. But I think uh I think that I think to me personally that's the fight to make. Uh Justin Rogers. Love the show, guys. Please don't kick Sammy off the show. <laughs> I uh, thought John Fitch did a great job. Love it. Uh, love it to see Ben Askren maybe do a guest host. That's not a question. But, you know, always nice to get the, the good comments since YouTube uh -huh. hates yeah, so Yeah, we much. never really get good comments <laughs> on YouTube. YouTube people fucking, they're brutal, man. They're savages. Go ahead. Uh, from Lee the Flea, what do you think about the whole Nick Diaz situation? I feel like he's going to want to come back eventually, but it'll be too late by then. Nick Diaz? Yep. Um... I think he's worth millions. I think uh, I think he should fight again. Um, the only problem is is the UFC doesn't want to pay him big money. He only wants big money fights. He only wants to fight the best guys. I think what happened though was that somewhere along the line, Nick Diaz and the Anderson Silva fight kind of turned the UFC off to the Nick Diaz hype train, like the laying down in the cage, like not really, like not really trying to get after the fight it became like turning his back it became a really funky kind of fight and that bothered i think the ufc they're like look sure everyone's talking about it still and but at the time it was more like this was a shit fight like to watch and i think that turned them off a little bit to them even though he's a draw but who are you gonna have him fight um you know at 170 it's all wrestlers and he'll have a hard time with all those guys pull up the 170 Right. Wait, there it is. Yeah, there it is. T would. I would like if you want maybe Darren Till in him, um, maybe Masvidal in him, uh, Leon Edwards in him. I think the fight with Stephen Thompson, it would end up being kind of a boring fight, only because Stephen would just outpoint him. Um, I would like to. I would love to see Nick Diaz fight again. But you need you need to find guys that he will engage with and guys that he will Masvidal would be perfect for him. Darren Till, perfect for him. Those are guys that will fight him. You know what I mean? Like everyone else is gonna like try and take him down, wrestle him, hold him down. And physically, like physically, he's not physically strong. You know, like Nate Diaz when I fought him, he was probably he's not he wasn't physically strong at all. Like he didn't feel strong at all. And I feel like wrestlers can just control him and dominate and, and control the position on the ground and take away his submissions and and it's it doesn't make for you gotta you gotta do the matchups right that's the one thing that's the that's the one thing that the that strike force did and scott coger did really well with him he fought scott smith he fought uh he fought scott smith he fought um 
uh, Paul Daly, he fought guys that made sense for him to fight that would bring in, that would bring the best out in him. And the UFC doesn't really do that, you know? And um, I don't know, man. I, I really would like to see, I'd love to see him and Masvidal fight or him and Darren Till fight. That would be a fucking amazing fight. Those two guys, I think, would stand in front of him and, and, and trade and throw down. You know, um, I think if you start getting beyond that, if you start getting beyond that, I don't think he'll want to. I don't think those guys. I don't think he'll want to fight those guys that are ranked less than that, <clears throat> because uh, it doesn't. He he's one of those guys. I think it still feels like oh, they don't do anything for me. They don't do anything for my career. You're gonna basically if you do win, I've just catapulted your career to the next level. Darren Till, if he beats Darren Till or if he beats Masvidal, that puts him right into that title contention. I think if he fights the winner of Masvidal and Darren Till, it makes sense because that puts him right in the title contention of like, hey, you get this win, you fight the winner of this, you get this win, maybe we'll have you fight Usman or maybe we'll have you fight, you know, one of those guys. That makes sense. But he's been so far, he's been so far out of the game for so long. I mean, I don't even know if we're going to see the same Nick Diaz that we saw when he left, you know? Um, who knows? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I would, but that doesn't mean I don't want to see him fight. I want to see him fight. Next, Clayton Funky, can you get BJ on and studio or phone? Yeah, you know he's supposed to be coming into San Jose here shortly. So we've been talking back and forth. But BJ is Hawaiian, and you know they're kind of on their own schedule. They're on Hawaiian time. We talk about it all the time. Like, hey, if you're on island time, you're, you're that means you no one knows what the fuck you're doing. So, um, but we have been talking and texting back and forth. So there is a, there is a good chance that, uh, he may come on. So if we can get him into town. So from what I understand that he, he, he should be coming into town, hopefully here shortly. That's the plan. Uh, Gideon Doyle asks, how can an MMA fighter without a wrestling background make up for what deficit, even if he has good BJJ? You got to spend a ton of time in the, in the wrestling room. Like, you know, still do your shadow boxing and work on your standup and your, in your, in your jujitsu, but you got you got to remember you got to remember that you got to spend a ton of time in the wrestling room man look at um GSP was able to do it GSP's one of the best wrestlers in the game right now as far or he was and he just retired but um you know he's but he was he he learned how to wrestle at a later age he just spent a ton of time working on the techniques drilling the techniques getting good at what he's doing like you look you don't need a ton of takedowns you just need to know how to chain wrestle two or three of them together so if you can get like if you can get three takedowns that you do very well and learn how to chain them together, that's the next level of wrestling for MMA. Look, everyone in MMA right now can stop the first takedown. There's no doubt about it. But can they stop the second and the third? That's the story. Like if you can't chain wrestle, you can't get takedowns in MMA anymore. You know, it's very rare. I mean, Khabib just has his power double, presses you the fence, lifts you, takes you down. I mean, there's there's exceptions to the rule on all of them, but um. But I think that the idea is that you need to get really good at two to three takedowns so you can chain wrestle them all together and keep people on their toes and on their heels for the takedown. That's the best that's the best advice I can give you. Spend spend a lot of time in that wrestling room. <clears throat> Abs Abs the Great asks, after seeing Ben Askren's performance, how do you think he does against Khabib? You know, it makes for an interesting fight. I think Askren's a tough fight for anyone, man. It, it, there's no doubt about that he's a tough fight for anyone. I mean He's been a champion in every organization he's ever fought in, you know, and, it, and he's made it look easy. Sure, he took some big shots against Robbie Lawler, too, but he takes big shots. Those are the prices you pay to come in and get close enough for the takedown. That's the price you're going to pay every single time. Everybody, here's the other thing. 
everybody knows what he's going to fucking do. It's not like he's going to stand all of a sudden he's a kickboxer. He's never going to do that. He's not going to do that. He's going to lock his two fingers around your fucking chicken legs and he's going to fucking take you down. That's what he's going to do. That's that's him, man. If he locks his two fingers, he's taking you down. That's the bottom line. And I think he showed Robbie Lawler, even though it was very controversial, but his grappling's pretty damn good, man. Like he's, it was a, how often do you see a bulldog choke and sure it was something he slid into or slipped into and, but it happens, you know, I mean, the same thing happened with Carlos Newton and uh, Pat Militich. I mean, it happens. It's a potential of being there. I mean, I've, I've trained with some guys and I was able to catch, uh, you know, a couple of big guys with that bulldog choke. You just got to be in the right place at the right time. And uh, obviously we've seen, everyone's seen the videos of him squeezing watermelons, you know, and, and breaking the watermelons, you know, with the squeeze. He's obviously physically strong. And everyone I've talked to said, you know, the, and I've, I've trained with him. I've wrestled with him a little bit and, and, and grappled with him a little bit, you know, back in the day. But he's physically strong. So that being said, he's got a big, he's got a big, uh, he's got big hands, got good grips. And he's just, he's strong, man. He's, he's tough. It's one of those positions, you know, you don't know how to get out of. And uh, I think he did a great job of doing what he does best, and uh, and and it, and, it, and it worked for him. Next question. Uh, Jim Wolford, would you agree that Askren has the worst stand-up ever in UFC? <laughs> that includes Ronda Rousey. Uh, no, I mean, look, some of these guys have bad stand-up, dude. Some of them, like, Damian Maia's stand-up is not that great. Ben Askren's stand-up is horrible. Um... You know, John Fitch is stand up and he's my boy. It's not that great. You know, um, Jake Shields' stand up is fucking horrible. But guess what? They're the master at their own craft. Like John like John Fitch is really good at getting the takedowns and grinding you out and keeping the pressure and being heavy on you. You know, um, his stand up is is not that great. Jake Shields, same thing. He's got a jab and that lead leg body kick. He does it all the time. But gotta remember, he's got wins over guys like Dan Henderson. He's got he's got big time wins, like Yushin Okami, guys like that. He's beaten. Like you got you got to go back and through hit and like watch his fights. Like these, I mean, he's beaten Damian Maia. Like there's, it's just that thing. Like it's they maybe they suck and lack in one area, but guess what? They're really fucking good in other areas, you know. And when when you when you understand that, they don't need to have great. Uh, they don't need to have great stand up. And Ben Askren is walking, living proof that you don't need great stand-up to be a fucking spectacular fighter. You just have to be really good at what you do. Randy Couture's stand-up was garbage. But it was enough to get in and close the distance, press you to the fence, get the takedowns, grind you out, do the work. I mean, he beat legend after legend after legend that fucking guy beat. You know, he was always a smaller heavyweight, heavyweight champion, light heavyweight champion. Like, he was... Fucking phenomenal. Stand-up was never great, but he was really damn good at what he did. So if you go back and you look at the guys in history at what they did, like Matt Hughes, his stand-up wasn't good either. But what is he, an eight-time or nine-time world, I think nine-time world champion. Defended his title, you know, nine times or whatever. Like, come on, man. Not all the best not all the best guys in the world or all the guys that are in the Hall of Fame had good stand-up. They just were really good at what they did. And um it kind of goes back to that whole Bruce Lee saying, like, he fears the guy that practices one move a thousand times more than the guy who practices a thousand moves one time. And that's that whole mentality. These guys were really good at what they did, and they practiced their moves over and over and over and over. Same stuff. And go, to go back to that question about the guy asking me about wrestling, 
is get really good at two or three takedowns and learn how to chain them together. And that will make you a good, that'll, that will help your, your chances of being a good wrestler and getting guys to the ground when you're in a fight. Next question. Uh, Orao Orao asks, do you think Marty from Nebraska would beat T-Wood again in a potential rematch? Yeah, I think so. I never think that guys, when they lose a dot, when they lose by being dominated mm. like that, should ever take an automatic rematch. But I think the UFC is going to offer it to him. And I think T-Wood's going to take it. And I think he's going to lose again. And I don't know. I don't know if he was just flat that night or if uh, Usman just was able to get into his head or whatever it was. I maybe it'll be. I think I definitely think it'll be a closer fight, but I still think that Usman's going to be able to outwork him and out hustle him because, like I said on the last show and in the show before, they even fought the guys that beat Tyrone Woodley are the guys that put the pace on him, get in front of him, never let him set, kind of dictate the pace of the fight. You got to be cautious though because he's got the big power and the big speed right off the bat. You got to be weary of him in the first, you know, two minutes of every round. But he tends to slow down towards the end of every round. And when he does, you can go ahead and push that pace on him and just not really break him, but get him to shut down. You can get him to not fight the way he would normally fight if he was the one dictating the pace. And Usman did that. Nate Morcart did it to him. You know, some other guys have been able to do things like that to him. And um, I think that's the style that definitely can beat him. So I don't think he beats Usman the second time around. And I, I want to say, like, in, in rematches, I want to say the stat's like 80% chance that the guy who won the first one's going to win the second one. Something like that. Uh, next one. <clears throat> From Danny Noir W, what is your honest thought on Johnny Walker? I think he's talented. I think he's good. He's huge for the weight. 6'6 is no joke. Very fast and explosive. Um... He's got to be careful with his after-fight celebrations because, bro, your career can get ended with something stupid like that. It doesn't make any sense. I talked about this yesterday with the with all the guys that are doing backflips off the fence or running and, and jumping off the fence, whatever it is. I, I don't think it's it's wise, man. I don't think it's wise at all. Uh, those are the things. doing ba Even backflips in the cage, like GSP used to do that. And I was like, oh, man, if you come up short and break your toe – Dude, like you know, or dislocate. You're out for you're out for six to eight weeks of not training. You're ruining your rhythm of. You came out of the fight healthy. Like you're ruining that flow of being healthy. Like when you have one injury, that adds up. It just you have one injury compensate a little bit when you're training, and then it it ends up adding to another injury, and then you have another injury, and then that one doesn't hurt as much, but then you ends up going to another injury. They just start adding up, and once you start it, it it's it's a snowball effect, and there's no reason for that. So. I we just got to be careful, man. I think uh, he needs to learn how to, he needs to learn how to do post fight interviews a little bit better, um, and and I think he needs to be a little bit smarter with his his celebrations afterwards as well. But fuck, man, the kids from what I've seen so far, he's pretty damn good. I'm excited to see him fight again here soon. Um, <coughs> Tyson Hill asks uh, advice for young fighters. When you think you're in good enough shape, you're not. Do more cardio. When you guys when you guys have to choose between sparring and hitting mitts or doing sprints at the track or or doing uh, your long distance run, do the long distance run and do the sprints at the track because all that other stuff is a lot easier to learn or a lot easier to focus on. Like if you notice when you're not in shape and you hit mitts, like your coach like okay like two three two, 
Double jab right, double jab right hand, left hook right hand. Like in your mind, when you're not tired, you don't process what he says fast enough and your your reaction is delayed. Or you're asking, what'd you say? Because you're stalling because you're tired. When you're in phenomenal shape, do you guys ever have any problems when he's holding mitts for you? Nope. Your reaction, you guys are on sync. You've had a whole camp to work together. It's because you guys, because you're in shape. Your mind is processing everything that he is saying to you as fast as it can because you're in shape. When you're not in shape or when you could be in better shape, you start figuring, you, you start questioning what your trainer's saying. You start looking to him for advice. Those are all things that you should, that if you get in better shape, it makes your camp a lot better and you learn a lot better throughout your camp. You should always go into your camp. I always did like two to three weeks of get, me getting my body in shape. And then I went into a full six to eight week camp after that. So I actually was doing like a nine to 10 week long camp. But the first two to three weeks was just me getting my body back in shape, dialing it in, taking it easy, not doing anything that would really get me hurt and doing tons of cardio, sometimes two a days, making sure I was in phenomenal shape, one early in the morning, like a fasted cardio to get my weight down, making me feel lighter and faster. And then one maybe later in the evening that was like a shorter, but more sprint duration. Like the one in the morning was long distance, like, you know, three to four miles of a slow, easy pace, you know, maybe like a six and a half minute mile or seven minute mile, something like that for three to four miles. And then I would go home, eat, shower, sleep, Go train with the fighters from noon to two, come back home, eat, shower, sleep, then go hit mitts. And then I would do like my long distance uh, or my, my short duration of sprints or whatever at the track or stairs or hill sprints or whatever it was, but a short duration of, of sprints, you know, 20, 20, 20 to 25 minutes of sprinting, you know, hill sprints or track sprints or whatever, or liners or whatever it was um, in the evening. That's kind of what I would do. When you think you're in shape, you think you're in good enough shape. As a as an up and coming fighter or someone who's relatively new, you're not. You're not in good enough shape. You never train as hard as you do in the gym as you will. You you never train as hard in the gym as you will fight in the cage. It just doesn't happen. There's nothing you can do. Your training partners, you'll rest, they'll rest, whatever it is. You'll never get in good enough shape to fight at a fast enough pace until you learn how to slow your breathing down, control your pace, and get and actually physically get in phenomenal shape during a camp. Your training partners will never push you as hard as the fighter will inside the cage. Next. Uh, Rhythm and Range asks, will anyone else ever finish Nate Diaz by strikes? I think not. You don't get enough credit for that. That motherfucker is almost impossible to stop. Yeah, um, you know, it depends. I, I think he's going to have to He's gonna have to fight more. We just won't see. I don't think we're going to see him fight. And the, the more time he takes off, the more likelihood of it happening again. Uh, definitely. So, uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, I hope no one does only because I'd like to be the only one that did it. But that being said, um, the more time he takes off, the, the chances of it happening again are, are higher. From Stefan Kovacevic. Hopefully that was right. <laughs> you murdered that. <laughs> Go ahead. What do you think about the Vitaly Minikov fight robbery? And do you think Darko Stosic will reach title contention. So I don't think the Minikoff was a robbery. I don't think it was a robbery. I think it was a good fight. Um, I think both of them left it up to the judges. But it was a close fight. Um, it's That's the, that's that's uh, what happens when you leave it up to the judges. Minikoff, I think what cost him the fight 
was he looked physically exhausted after the second round. And then when the fight ended, he just looked like he was done. Like, done, done. The fight was done, but he was done. And it makes a difference, I think, in the refs and the, the judges' eyes. Now, Big John McCarthy tried to like tell me, oh, no, the cards are already turned in. John, he looked tired in the fight. He looked tired in the third round. And if you don't think that skews the judges or the crowd or however it is, that skews it skews them. And I like Big John. Big John and I, we never agree on anything, but we're, we really, we've learned to really get along with each other since we work so closely with each other. And, uh, you know, but in this case, I feel like, sure, maybe the scorecards are in. Fine, they're getting turned in right away. Whatever it is you want to say. But throughout that third round and even into the second round, I think it makes a difference. It makes a difference on how these judges scored the fights because he looked exhausted. And I'll give you another example of a, of a fight that happened in history. I thought Trevor Prangley beat Jeremy Horn when they fought. The thing was, Trevor looked so fucking tired. That fight, he was sick. He was on antibiotics. He just looked exhausted. He couldn't keep his hands up. He was so tired. The judges just gave it to him. The judges gave it to Jeremy Horn because Jeremy Horn at the time was a bigger name. That was one. Two, he looked, and there was moments, I think, where he stepped back in the fight, put his hands on his knees. That automatically judges are like, all right, dude, you're, you're exhausted. You're tired. You're, you're not winning this fight. Like, it just looks bad. And so then when that happened, I think that was the fight that, that like, that. if you guys want something to relate it to, now, sure, Minikoff didn't look that bad. But in that fight, though, he, he wasn't doing anything that really would warrant him winning the fight either. It was a close fight, man. It was a close. You leave it up to them, up to the judge. I thought Czech should have done a lot more because the late kicks were landing. They were having a good effect. All he had to do was do it a little bit more, and I think he would have had a way more dominant performance and would have won by a lot bigger margin. But he just didn't pull the trigger. His leg kicks didn't start coming on until the third round. Or like, yeah, and I was like, what are you doing? You should have done this in the first two rounds. Your leg kicks are nasty. I mean, but he had some big shots. Just you know, The thing is, the third round was a very lackluster round in general. But uh, Czech won the round. And so, I mean, that, that really it came down to it being a split decision. But, you know, Minikov, I think it just he looked so tired that it ended up playing a factor in the judges' eyes. All right, next question. Um. Josh, as a member of AKA, who is the best fighter of AKA from Corey Welch? Um, barring injuries, best fighter is Cain Velasquez. The best guy to come through that door has been Cain Velasquez. Now, it's it's a close uh it's a close second, though, I would say is Khabib and DC are like right up in there, those guys. Um, and then I would probably say John Fitch is maybe fourth. Somewhere in there, I would say John Fitch. Um, you know, and then the rest of us kind of like follow down below that. But I would say Kane first. Just he's just been plagued with injuries his whole career. Um, it's very unfortunate, and and not just bet like not just little injuries like oh he broke his hand, okay, it's fixed, okay, ready to fight again, or you know oh he broke his foot or whatever it is or you know, whatever. It hasn't been that easy for him. It's been you know back problems and sciatica problems and neck issues and 
you know, broken hand and broken foot and torn ACLs. I mean, he's had some fucking things that have just had him out forever, man. And so I would say he would be number one. Um, Khabib and DC are basically like neck and neck tied, but I would probably give a little bit of the edge to DC because he's a two division champion. But then I put him tied neck and neck only because Khabib's also undefeated, twenty seven and zero. He's only lost one round in his whole UFC career. I mean, that's fucking pretty damn special. And you could arguably say that he just took that round off, you know, and that was in his last fight. Um, then I would say probably maybe John Fitch because John Fitch came up in that era of the welterweights that were just fucking. I felt like the, that that group of welterweights that he had fought were just fucking. They were good, man. They were killers and they were good, and. Um, <clears throat> you know, and he and he had some good dominant performances against a lot of guys, and he ended up getting to that title shot. And I mean, he came up short against GSP, but I mean, he fought a, he fought a tough fight. Um, you know, but it is what it is, man. It's the fight game. This is what happens. So, uh, but I would say him, and then I would say probably like it goes to like me and Koscheck and Swick, and we kind of fall, you know, down below that. But I think I think the relatively unknown is guys like Islam Makachev. Um, he's somebody that definitely is one of the, you know, definitely has the potential to be one of the greats to ever come out of AK, uh, for sure. You know, um, yeah, that, but those are, those are the guys that I, I keep there kind of on that, that, that Mount Rushmore of AK. Anyways, next. Uh, so this is from Gareth Sharples. Why Robbie's other hand that was continuously gripping Askren's ankle got overlooked? Well, if you go back and watch the video, and someone actually pointed out, he gave he gave Herb Dean a thumbs up. No, the, the other hand that was gripping his ankle. No, I know, but I'm just simply saying, like, you don't need, you really don't need any more proof than the thumbs up. He picks his hand up and he drops it, his and 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 her, and and Robbie gives him a thumbs up. His hand doesn't really ever hit the ground. Watch, he picks it up, he lets it go. And when he lets it go, he gives him the thumbs up. Right there. See? Like, I'm good. And then he puts his hand on the ground like, I'm good, I'm comfortable. And that's the game. What I love, though, is that Robbie gets up, yells at him real quick, like, what the fuck are you doing? And then he takes a deep breath. And he's like, it's too late now. Gives her, you know, a quick high five. Obviously, uh, Dana's already said that they're going to run it back. He said it immediately after the fight. That to me means automatically the fight's being done. They, they, there's there's no other fight they're going to make. They're going to make Robbie and they're going to make Ben Askren again. Uh, last question is Josh Vance. Uh, ben Askren again. He said, he asks, is it just me or does Ben Askren look and sound a little downsy? Laugh out loud. I thought he looked uncoordinated and super slow. Definitely <laughs> loved the first few seconds. I don't even hate Askren. It's just that when someone talks so much shit, it's always nice to see them get slammed on their head. <laughs> I think the thing with Ben, though, is that Ben's always been Ben. This is Ben. This is how he was in Bellator. This is how he was in 1FC. This is how he is now in the UFC. The issue is, is every organization he's went to, his style is not marketable. His personality is, but his look isn't. Um, it, that's the hardest part you're gonna like the thing with Conor McGregor. He talks well, he's good looking, he's marketable, he's pretty much a man of his whole country. It makes it easy. 
the same thing also with GSP. Didn't speak English very well, but he tried. And the, when he did do it, it was funny. You know, um, the whole getting on his knees, begging for a title shot, like that, like set precedent. Like no one had ever done that before. And, and he did it with like, you know, the Kermit the Frog voice. And everyone loved it and ate it up. And he became a fan favorite ever since that moment. I mean, he was just one of those guys. Ben doesn't have that. Ben needs to do it other ways. And so he, he's been champion everywhere he's been. There's a good chance he's going to be champion here. And <clears throat> it's very interesting. It's To be honest, it's very, very interesting. You know, um, 1FC just is like, look, we just can't do anything with you, man. You're smashing all these guys. We can't get top guys to fight you because they know they're going to lose to you. And that's it. That's the bottom line. And then Bellator had nothing else because they just couldn't market him because his style is not entertaining, you know. Um, but he wins fights, man. And and I think the fact that he is now more vocal on Twitter and, and all these things and it's given him a platform to kind of market himself, I think it's going to make it's going to make for a lot more entertainment um, value. It's going to bring a lot more value to him for him to market his career. And uh, now that he's fighting in the UFC, he has a great chance to, as long as he keeps winning, he has a great chance of um, becoming marketable as long as he keeps winning. Once he loses one, they're going to give him a little bit of a pass once he loses one. But if he loses two, they're going to be like, all right, the, the hype's over, time to move on. That's what they're going to do to him. And that that's what, that's what happens. They did it with Jake Shields. They did it with John Fitch. They did it with um, other guys that are not very entertaining. I could see them potentially doing it with Stephen Thompson. The only reason why I say they maybe won't do it with Stephen Thompson is that he speaks well, he's good looking, and uh, he carries himself like a professional as well as that there's, his style brings a different style into that weight class, in the, in the whole organization to let everyone know that that karate or taekwondo or whatever it is you know that he does is still able to be used successfully in the in the biggest sport or the best sport in the world in the best combative sport in the world and so i think that he still brings that that dynamic of you know leota machida and in that karate and stephen thompson with that karate and that that style of stand-up still exists and it's still effective if used properly and if used at the highest level so um yeah that's what I think. Okay, now it's my question. Oh, shit. Um, do you have an update on Kane? Is he getting surgery? Is he going to be out for a long time? Do I time? have an update on Kane? I just had dinner with Kane on Saturday night. Um, he has some more stuff going on that he needs to look into to see if maybe they can avoid surgery. Um, but there is a chance that he may get it. Um, but I do believe that with all the stuff that's going on with stem cells and things like mm. that, he may be able to have it all fixed without surgery and straight to the stem cells. Um, he's able to walk around. He's able to do things. He's able to, he just said there's moments where if he tries to do lateral movements or if he gets out and he twists a little bit, if he's getting out of the car, there's a little bit of pain, a little bit of this. I mean, like, but that's common though. Anytime you kind of hurt your knee a little bit, there's still, I think a little bit of swelling. So that's probably making the making the the it's causing a little bit more pain and and putting pressure in areas on his knee that that um wouldn't be there if the swelling wasn't there but look he may not he may not need surgery i can't give you a direct answer if he may or if, if he will need surgery they're still going to do some more tests and i think they're also going to potentially try maybe stem cells first if it doesn't if it's not a guarantee for surgery they're going to try the stem cells first so uh, and then my other question is, you're what? Uh, 
uh-huh. what do you want? <laughs> so, listening to Joe Rogan on on his podcast yesterday, he doesn't like me for some reason. I don't know. I, I, I people have hit him up and uh, people are like tagging me on stuff, saying like, "Hey, Joe, when you have Josh on?" And I don't know. I thought Joe and I were always cool, and you know. But I, I think it's so funny. I even reached out to him probably like uh, a year ago, saying like, "Hey, man, like um, I've been on Brendan's show, and Brendan told me to hit you up, and you know, when uh, try to get on." And and with you, and he's like, "Oh yeah, I'm booked like months out." I'm like, "Well, I'll be in town, da da da," you know, around this time. No response. Never heard back. So I mean, it is what it is. I've tried. He's a busy but guy. go ahead. Um, so the one, so n- you mentioning that, why, why are you making that face at me? No, I'm waiting for you to get this comment, okay. the, qu- the right. question out. So, so one thing is, is he did actually say to Brendan yesterday on the podcast that, um, they do need some new people for fight companion. So maybe you can, <laughs> I maybe. would love to do something for fight companion. I would love to. Um, and then the other question is, um, he said that people that are saying Anthony Smith was stupid for not taking a DQ win are stupid themselves. Do you still stand by that? No, I look, I said two things. I I said, as a man, he did the right thing as a, as a business decision. He did the wrong thing. He should have taken it. Could have ran it back. Would have got paid double because he would have been the champion. I'm not saying that he should have done it. I'm simply saying that, look, here's the thing. You and Chael are on the same page, by the way. Yeah, here's the here's the thing. Somebody said to me, somebody said, some, someone in the fucking comments said something about like, yeah, but fans wouldn't have just wouldn't have never looked at him as being the champion, or wouldn't have wouldn't have never have like respected him. I said, do you think in twenty years after he made a half a million dollars, he's gonna give a fuck about the fucking fans that don't even fucking know his name anymore? You guys need to remember all of this. If you're a fighter and and look, I'm I'm cool either way. I'm cool if he decided to do what he did. I think it's fun. and and I probably to I would probably say 100%. I would have probably done the <laughs> same exact thing that he did. But in my mind when this was going on after watch during watching the fight, he was losing the fight. There was no chance of him really winning that fight. If he takes the DQ, becomes champion, no one needs to respect him. No one, he doesn't, I don't think he even needs to give a shit. He's going to make a half a million dollars on the next fight. In 10 years, or when he's done fighting and his kids are in private school and his kids are getting a good education and he's got a roof over his head, you think he's going to give a fuck about the fans at home that, oh, don't respect him anymore? No. Some of you guys probably won't even remember his name in four or five years. So, when you guys making that argument, you're fucking ridiculous. Like you guys sound stupid and ignorant when you guys say that. I'm saying as a business decision, he didn't make the right call. But as a man and somebody with morals and somebody with integrity, integrity, he did the right thing. Okay. I'm just simply saying there was no way he was going to win that fight. Even Dana came out and said, look, he's a gamer. There was never a thought in my mind that he wouldn't, that he would just take the DQ. But here's the other thing. Would any of us have said that we blamed him? He took a fucking flush knee to the side of the head against the cage. No give. So had he not been able to continue, and it was behind the ear. Had he not been able to continue. Like, why are we saying that he's a pussy if he doesn't, or he's a fucking, or he's a scumbag for taking the DQ? What what if he really couldn't continue? People would still have given him flack. 
But instead, he's putting his life on the line and going on in that next round or whatever that round was to fucking continue the fight because he's very he's got he's got integrity. I'm simply saying though, who the fuck are we to judge whether he could have continued to fight or not? We put so much pressure on the guy who who got the foul committed on him. Why aren't we putting the pressure on the person who committed the fucking foul? You guys, I don't get this. I, I don't get that part of it all. Like, oh, he's tough, or he needs to show that he was tough, or he needs to show integrity. No, he doesn't. He's obviously got some integrity. But I'm simply saying, like, he could have collected his paycheck and then turned around and fought him again and made double the money or maybe even more for being the champ, even though, oh, sure, the fans didn't look at him as ever being the champ. Who gives a fuck? He's the champ. He now has that belt in his fucking, in his trophy case at home for his kids to grow up and see and people and family and friends to see in 15 years, five years, I think, even less, five or maybe around that time. Half of you guys won't even remember who the fuck he is, okay? And that's the thing. Like, in five to seven years, he's that amount of money he would have made would have sent his kids to probably good schools, would have bought his kids or put a roof over their head, maybe bought them motorcycles or bikes or put them in private school, like put them in, put them in, in swim lessons or whatever the fuck he wants to do. That's more important in life, you guys. That Those are the things that are more important in life than, oh, making sure that the fans care if I have integrity or not. You guys are way, you guys are way overestimating your guys' value as fans to a fighter who needs to take care of his family and support his family. You guys also shouldn't be criticizing the fighter who got illegally kneed in the back of the head or on the side of the head or behind the ear. You guys should be criticizing the guy who did the illegal knee and not criticizing the guy who, who, if he doesn't continue fighting, he's a pussy and a piece of shit and a scumbag. That's bullshit. Like the fact that he did take, continue to fight, I tip my hat to him. I'm simply saying as a business decision, though, who the fuck are we to judge whether he shouldn't continue fighting or not? Like because of his integrity and he's going to lose fans because of it. No one gives a shit. You guys like you guys are way overestimating your guys' value as fans. Just the bottom line, you know, and in that take, like just you don't know what he's going through. Maybe he's seeing double. Maybe maybe his equilibrium is off. Maybe when he stood up, he was having a, like things just weren't functioning properly. It happens, you know, and we are not, myself included, are not here to judge him for whatever he decided to do. We don't have that right. We're not the ones that got need on the side of the head. All you fucking couch warriors sitting at home saying like, oh, your inte his integrity would have never been considered the champion. No one gives a shit. And I think it, had he taken the had he taken the DQ, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have even second guessed it, dude. You got need by John Jones in the side of the head behind the ear. We are not someone to, you should not be someone to judge, okay? Stay on your couch, be a fan of the sport. Do not criticize the guys that are actually doing their thing. That's the one thing. That's my take on that whole scenario. Like I said, in one take, I commend him for being, for showing his integrity. But on the other hand, as a business decision, it would have been better for him to take the DQ, become champion, get the automatic rematch, and make triple the money. That's my take on it. You know, but he did the right thing. He did what he, he, if he was able to fight, he did the right thing. But if he wasn't able to fight, who the hell are we to judge? That's the bottom line.
And what else? You got something? I know. I just went off. That was I was nice all that day. Was a good argument. That was I a good was argument. nice all day until that tangent. Gosh, man, I was, was trying. A good to, argument. I was trying to be positive. I was trying to be positive the whole day. There's no Sammy here, so it's very rare <laughs> I can be positive when Sammy's around because you know Sammy makes me not be positive. But I think you had to clear the air there because you were taking a lot of shit, and I oh. think that argument's good. Yeah, my argument is that like. I even agreed with Joe Rogan until you just gave that argument right now. <laughs> you know? All right. Yeah. Well, hey, maybe may, who knows? Maybe that little argument will get us on the fight companion. <laughs> like I said, I don't know. I, I've, I mean, you know, I went down and I've flown down a couple times and been on Brennan's show. And I mean, I mean, every time I've talked to Brady, he's like, hey, how come you haven't been on Joe's show? And I'm like, I don't know. Fucking ask Joe. Joe doesn't really, you know, I've hit him up twice. I even asked Drennan, I was like, hey, does he handle his own, like, uh, his own media stuff? Because I've hit him up on Twitter, like, as far as through his DM. And then I've also hit him up and text him. And no response. So I'm assuming that, you know, that it's, there's no interest. And I don't know. It is what it is. It, I feel like, I almost feel a little offended because he's had other guys on there that, I don't know. <laughs> so, but hey. It is what it is. Look, it's his, he's he's a. I, I listen to his show all the fucking time. Big fan. I love his show. I love all the stuff like um like Ben Greenfield. He had just had on recently. Love listening to that one. And then the uh, I had a hard time listening to this last one with Brennan Shaw because Brennan's voice was gone. Yeah. So I was like, Ugh, you know. I mean, but who am I to complain about that? I'm the one with the cough all the time. Yep. So Josh the cough Thompson. Yeah, Josh the cough Thompson. It's so funny. Someone posted that. They posted that a couple <laughs> times. I think weekly, someone one person posts it. That's so. so funny. Cool. Well, I think I think we that, covered it, huh? Yeah. There's not a whole lot really that's come out. Oh, there was one thing that I saw. Somebody said like they, they had posted a thing about the Nevada State Athletic Commission saying because we're talking about Anthony Smith right now about how that they were fine with the ruling of this of oh no sorry not Anthony Smith but the uh, Ben Askren ruling and the Robbie Lawler it being stopped. I'm going to go on another little bit of a rant. Like, of course they are. They're not going to say after the fact that it shouldn't have been stopped. They don't want guys that have been stopped too early to come to them and be like, hey, you ruled against that or you said that that was an early stoppage. Well, my fight got stopped early too. What the hell do you think they're going to say? Of course they're going to say no, like, yes, it was. It, we were fine with the stoppage. It was a good stoppage. They don't want guys to come out of the woodwork saying, hey, you remember this time when I got sat to my butt and the ref jumped in, it shouldn't have been stopped? Or, hey, my arm was straight, but I didn't tap and the ref stopped it. They're not going to change those. They're not going to change those decisions. Nothing that you say, Robbie Lawler, to go to them, if Robbie's going to go to them, they're never going to change it. Never. I went through this with the Patricky Pitbull thing when I got headbutted and got dropped. Big John wasn't in the right position. I'm picking on Big John again, but I always pick on Big John, and Big John knows this, is Big John wasn't in the right position. And the worst part was the judges, the judges, this is why they need to have monitors instead of just watching the fight. They don't have monitors. They didn't see they the the way the judges were seated in that cage or around that cage. They didn't see me get headbutted. They thought it was a punch. They even told Big John it was from a punch from me getting dropped the first time. And that was not true. So that being said, when you go back and you watch that fight, I got dropped by a headbutt. We both clawed heads. It was, it was very accidental. But I'm simply saying that when, you, when I went to the commission, they are not going to change. They are not going to change their decision for anything. 
They just, it's not going to happen. They don't want somebody from two years ago coming over or last year or six months or just recently saying they want to change their decision because the same thing happened to them. They're not going to deal with that. So when when the commission came out and they said, oh, they were okay with this, no shit. They're going to do whatever they can to protect their ass and defend what their what their ref, the decision the ref made in there so they don't have to go back and make changes to whatever happened in the fight. That's my cent. That's my two cents on that. All right? That's me weighing in. Right, Dave? Yep. <laughs> yep. Weighing in. Um, I think that's it, man. I think we wrapped it up. This was a long one, right? Fuck, this was long. What, like two yeah. hours? No, we're about an hour and a half. Oh, hour and a half. Damn, man. That's too much time with you. Period. <laughs> How do you think I feel? And... All right, guys. Hey, thanks for tuning in for Punk's Opinion. I truly appreciate it. Um, hit the subscribe button. Also, hit the no notifications bell. Get notifications on when we drop new ones. We're going to try and drop one every one this week. Uh, you know, tomorrow, probably one again. We're trying to do something. Hopefully, some news drops today. Or we'll go back over. We may even try and break down some, some fights. Who knows? We may even try and break down maybe my fight with Pitbull since we just talked about it. God, brutal, nasty, horrible. Anyways. Uh, we can also go back and maybe take a look at like the Eve Edwards fights. I'm cool with talking about my losses. Doesn't bother me at all. <laughs> uh, you know, it still kind of stings a little bit, but you know. But hey, just hit the notification buttons, get, get notifications, uh, and the notification bell to get notified when we have new stuff that drops. Uh, YouTube, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify. Hit all those subscribe buttons if you guys can. Please do me a favor. Share whatever you guys like. Diff bits and pieces of it. Hit up on our uh, on our YouTube channel. You can share the videos, and I give breakdowns on on certain on certain stuff. And go ahead and and share those all around. Tell people to share it. I do truly appreciate it. I need you guys' support. Try and get this thing out there. And uh, if you guys can, yo, hit up Joe Rogan. Be like, yo, bro, you looking for more people on Fight Japan? Hit up Josh Thompson. What about that guy? Just an idea. Just an idea. I won't be mad at you guys if you guys do that. Um, otherwise, hey, thanks for tuning in. Another edition of Punk's Opinion. Have a good day.